Amen. Amen. Hey, before you are seated, before you are seated, can we, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his what? Do we have some of his people here this morning? Let's give him 15 seconds of the loudest clap ovation you can possibly give. Ready? One, two, three, go. Let's see. All right. All right. Good. Oh my goodness. Hey, you all, you all may be seated. You may be seated. I'd like to thank Pastor Dwayne and Miss Pam for how they kept reaching out to us over the past two years. And you'll hear a little bit more of that in my story as I move forward with the message. But let me just say, as I was introduced as the guest speaker, we are a guest because we haven't been here in a while. But just after being here for about the last hour, it doesn't feel like we are a guest. It kind of feels like we're, in a way, kind of back home again because we had the privilege of serving here for seven years as college and singles pastors. And what was interesting is, as I was coming in, some of our former college students are saying, hey, Pastor Rick, here's, hey, down there, some of our kids singing up there in the children's choir. That's wonderful. (laughs) You know, they're like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I should speak on Ecclesiastes this morning or something, you know, but uh, it is a joy to be here. So many good memories from when my wife Gina and I and our son Christian's here with us and his girlfriend Hannah. Uh, one of the young men I've had the privilege of discipling, Chad Canfield, who is a cancer survivor, is out at our table, and hopefully you'll stop by there as you leave here today and go to small group. But a lot of fond memories from when we were here. Uh, not enough time to go into all of them, but there was one. Uh, Barry Edwards, when he came in view of a call to be the children's minister, everybody knows Barry, uh, he, he kind of picked on me a little bit this week. <clears throat> he said, the junior Jedi is returning home. Some things never change, do they? So I thought, Barry, you better be careful. I actually get the microphone. You better watch out. Well, I remember when Barry came in view of a call. It was a lot of fun as the church voted to have he and his family come. But I'll never forget his greeting when he he came up to greet the church. He said, as only Barry could say, well, I'd like to greet you all with the official Arkansas greeting. Nice tooth. (laughs) Which was followed up by, you know it's where the toothbrush was invented. Because if it was anywhere else, it would have been called the teeth brush. So I've always remembered that about Barry. A lot of good memories. So today as we're here, there's at least four different groups of people. There are people here today that somebody dragged you here because we're getting close to Easter. And they have been praying for you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to embrace the gospel of Christ, to confess your sins, turn from them, turn to him. There's another group of people that have been following after God, and and you're going into a storm. There's others of you here today, you are in the storm, and you're like, God, please. And there are others here that have come out of a storm, and you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen from anybody? So today I want to talk to you about this hope. And how this hope that we have is actually the hope that Jesus Christ provides for us that helps us, takes us through anything that we will face in this life and actually fills our cup and helps us overcome life's toughest obstacles. Everybody you see has a story to tell. You know, that's why I love talking to people. You ever walk by somebody and say, I wonder what's going on in their life? Just by the way they're carrying themselves. They're kind of down in the dumps a little bit. You kind of look at them and say, just say, shoot up an arrow prayer for them. 
And then there's others, man, their, their joy meter, their hope meter is off the charts. Everybody in this room here today, for those watching online, on Facebook Live, everybody has something going on in their life. Amen? And what's interesting is back in my story, our story, even when we were at this church, we had some things going on in our life. It wasn't a faith problem. It was a hope problem. Now, now hear this. Listen to this for a moment. There are times the enemy wants to come into our life and get us to question our salvation, our faith. Dear friend, if, if we could lose it or the enemy could take it, it was never ours in the first place, right? That's something that Jesus Christ did, and that's what we are getting ready to celebrate these next two weeks, with the culmination being Easter Sunday. I want to submit to you that oftentimes it may not be a faith problem that we have, it may be a hope problem, where we're kind of sitting back and we're saying, God, I'm, I'm just not feeling it right now. It may not be a faith problem, it may be a hope problem. Let me share with you just a couple of few pictures that would kind of help connect. You know, you see pastors up here, Pastor Dwayne, uh, Rick, Tim, all the other guys. You think they've got it all together. No problems whatsoever. We all have tough obstacles. When we had the privilege of serving here, I want to tell you that there were three things that were near catastrophic that this church, because we were a part of it, ministered with us and to us. And if it wasn't for the ministry of this church, I don't even know if my wife and I would be together today. Let me show you this first picture of my daughter, Tori. Some of you may remember. Tori, uh, when we were here, she was born with a hole in the heart. And, and that's her up on that little picture. You can see the scar from when they went in and repaired that little heart that was about the size of my thumbnail. The hole was so small, they put a Kevlar patch over it with 120 micro sutures to patch that heart. I've had other heart surgeon friends at previous churches that said, that is some kind of crazy, Rick. 120 stitches to patch a hole in a heart. While all that was going on, we had our son, Chad. Last time we were here, my wife and I took a walk by the, the old children's park on the east side of the campus. There's a memorial bench there which I'll tell you a little bit more about in a minute. There's a picture of us all at the hospital. What's interesting about this picture, you see Chad there in the bed, and then my son Christian, who's here with us right now, is looking at his brother because our son Chad had always wanted a little brother. His sister, who had just come through heart surgery weeks before that, is there on the bed. Now, what you don't know about that picture is this. They say a picture is worth how many words? A thousand. Aren't you glad I'm not going to give you another thousand? <laughs> Days before that picture was taken, the cancer specialist came into my wife and I and said, Rick, Gina, I've got to tell you something. You need to let your son know it's okay to let go. That is something that no parent should have to tell their child. That it's okay to let go and die. Thankfully, our son was brought up in a church that loved Jesus Christ, this church. The children's ministry taught him about the love of God. We knew where he was going. We know where he is at. So we have that hope meter that is still full. And after I left here, and, and Pastor Dwayne would probably say fell out of the grace of God after leaving here, 
I was called to be a lead pastor out in Windermere. And about the time I got there, I started having all these neck problems. In fact, for a while, I was going to see Rex Rothler, one of our chiropractors here, and he was helping me try to get my neck figured out. And years went by, and a few surgeries went by, and then this picture just developed out of nowhere of my neck. Ladies and gentlemen, that is my neck right now. You can see enough metal in there to build a Teflon frying pan, right? <clears throat> well, about two years ago, I was serving at another wonderful church like this as lead pastor. Some of the people are here today. I'd had the privilege of serving there for just at 10 years as their lead pastor. I had gotten to a point where I was at about 25 to 30% of what I could do. My voice was shot. My neck, my mid-back, my low back was shot. By 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning, I was done. I finally got to a place where I said, you know what? I've got to do what's not only best for me, but what's best for the church. And I felt clear that God said, you step down, I'm going to get you fixed. Two months ago, I went in for what would be called cutting-edge stem cell therapy. And after two months, going from about 35 to 40 percent, I'm back up to about 78 percent right now due to the grace and goodness of God. Amen? But what we can never do is lose hope in the promises of God. The 20-something thousand verses in the Bible that are promises to the children of God are promises to be held on to and to never let go of. But what happens is if the enemy can kind of sneak in, he'll try to get us to kind of lose a little bit of that hope. So the joy, the passion for the Christian walk is not there. In fact, listen to this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 6, verse uh, 19. It says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now let me stop right there. How many times have you heard, you know, sometimes we have anchors in our lives that we just need to let go of. Anybody ever heard that? All right. There are times in our lives where we have anchors that we need to let go of. And we should. But there is one anchor that we should never let go of. Ever. And that is the hope in the word of God and the promises of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can never lose hope in that. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Verse 20, where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. Now, now capture this picture for a moment. When you think of an anchor, you think of something you kind of take in a boat and you, you throw over and you hope it grabs ground and you tie it off to the boat and the boat is secure. There's a funny story when my dad, when I wasn't even on this trip, but my dad, his brother, my uncle, and my two cousins went out on their boat. They were going to go get some lobsters and crab and all this kind of stuff. So my uncle looked at my, my cousin and said to him, hey, throw the anchor overboard so we can tie off and, and go lobstering and get all the stuff. Anybody like lobster around here? Yeah. Oh, man. Let's just get that to the right flavor little bit of butter. Ooh. Anybody getting hungry yet? So my cousin, who will remain nameless because he lives in the area, he took the anchor. First mate took the anchor, whoosh, threw it over. Guess what? Wasn't secured to anything. 
Now, my uncle was a Christian man. But on that moment, the story goes that he almost half killed my cousin. Has anybody here ever been half killed before? In case you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not saying kilt that you wear. I'm talking about killed. If my dad had not been there to intervene, it may have been major trouble. So I want you to think about this for just a moment. Christian, hand me that anchor for a moment. So here, do this, son, for me. This is, give him a hand, would you, cross life? Let's see here. Okay, we got to get this. Bear with me. We're going to take this so you can kind of get the, get the imagery here. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this rope, and I want you just to kind of take this down there with you, okay, and sit down there for a moment. As you see that anchor and as you think about that, I want you to hear these words again. We have this hope. Say the word with me, hope, as an anchor for the soul. The soul is our mind, will, and emotions. The scripture is telling us we have this hope as an anchor. As we get ready to celebrate Easter, it is not just another Sunday. Don't you wish every Sunday could be like that? Because it really should be. But we have a tremendous opportunity for the Holy Spirit of God to ignite our lives with such hope that the people that we come into contact with say, there is something sure nutty about that person, and I like it. They just sense it. That's what this hope is all about. It's not like we hope that we win the lottery. Woo! Anybody get that publisher's clearinghouse thing in the mail? Isn't that wonderful? Did anybody ever make the mistake of filling one of those out and sending it in? There are people in this service right now, I got a publisher's clearinghouse, and I saw their names on it. I called them and said, publisher's clearinghouse, they're sitting over on that side over there, that you are a big winner. I called them up for a loan. They said, we only got $1,000. <laughs> I said, good, I only need 999 now, just think about it for a moment. How many of us put so much hope in that, and all of a sudden it goes and, ugh. Or we put our hope in really false hope. The real hope that the Word of God is talking about, Webster's would define hope as wishful thinking. But God's Word says that the hope that we have is a living hope, and He has a name. It's Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about why we gather on Sundays? Some churches, Saturday night, different times, different places. We worship a God that transforms and transcends time, space, and matter. No other God made up in this life of ours, in the history of man, presents a God that transforms and transcends time, space, and matter. You say, what are, what are you talking about? Go back to Genesis. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. That means he transcends it and he transformed it. That's how big, that's how awesome, that's how unbelievable our God is. Amen? And that's the God we have the privilege of worshiping. So when someone says, I don't really get your God, where did he come from? How was he? Our God transcends it all. That's why he is all powerful, everywhere present, all knowing. That's where we place our hope. It's a real hope. 
Consider these perspectives. When I was serving here as college pastor, uh, we were doing a series back then on Fear Factor. Some of you may remember that old show. And uh, one of the things that our college leadership team came up with is that we would go skydiving. And I have a fear of heights. So I don't know if any of you have that. But when you get up in a plane to about 15,000 feet over in Coco and you see the vehicle assembly building and it looks about that big, it definitely gives perspective to your life, especially when you're getting ready to be pushed out of an airplane at 15,000 feet. And you start second guessing things like, should I do this? Will the parachute open? But we have to move from a mentality of surviving to a mentality of thriving. Now think about this for a moment. I showed you those pictures a minute ago, not to brag on my wife and I and our grit or our toughness. I showed you those pictures to brag on my Jesus and a church that we served at back then. That because of the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God, we went through two of the toughest obstacles that any parent should ever have to go through. Perspective matters. It may be storming today, but the sun will always come out tomorrow, dear friend. And I don't mean S-U-N, I mean S-O-N, because he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. Some obstacles may never make sense this side of eternity, but they will at some point in time. And God's word, he never promises to deliver us from every obstacle, but he does del promise to deliver us through every obstacle. So I don't know where you're at right now. You're either heading into one, you're in one, or you're, you're, you're coming out of one. Or you're here today because you're trying to find out more about this Jesus that we worship. But I want to just share with you very briefly three principles that I believe will transform your life that whenever a tough obstacle comes along, it will give you the strength, the grit to know that Jesus Christ has got you covered. He's got you. It doesn't matter what it is. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. The first principle is this, know him. Know him. One of the privileges I have had over the years is counseling people in the church that have come to know Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of sins and understand the purpose for their life. To be a part of a church, to minister, to serve. But listen to it. In John chapter 8, it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Y'all know your word. I've always loved it about this church. Do you know the only way that the truth can set you free is? You ought to know it. Have you ever stopped to think? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So once you and I know the truth, I'm not talking about just an intellectual knowledge. I'm, I'm about ready to start preaching, folks. Can I get some help? I'm used to a crowd that talks back to me. If I fall asleep, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> when we know the Christ that we serve, and we know this truth, it sets you free. When you get the news from the doctor that your son is out of remission and they had told you four years earlier that if he ever came out of remission, he would more than likely not make it, does your world completely fall apart? 
When the doctors tell you that your daughter has a hole in her heart and we have to try to get her to six months of age to do surgery and she almost codes twice between that time period, do you lose all hope? When you get to a point in your life where your neck and back are so messed up and so much pain that you have to let go of one of the things you love more than just about anything, a church that you serve as a lead pastor, do you lose hope? When you know the truth, when you know him, it makes all the difference because he has promised to never leave you, never forsake you, and that is why we worship him each and every Sunday. Amen? Listen to this passage. You all have heard this. It's probably one of your memory verses. Romans 8.28, but think about this as I read these words. It says this in Romans 8.28, and we know in all things. You know what my seminary professor taught me the word all means? You know what the word all means? You guys are good. And we know in all things, every picture any of us could put up there, and we all have a story to tell, whatever that picture would be, in all things, God works together for what? For those. It's not a hard stop there. It keeps going. For those that love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Just a few perspectives on that. Have you ever thought about that verse and what it really means as we just dig a little bit deeper? Because we tend to look at that verse and say, oh, Lord, I'm going through it right now, but I know that all things are going to work out for the good, Lord, because I love you and I've been called according to your purpose. But have we ever stopped to think that he is so awesome, this God that we worship, he is so awesome that when I stop and think about me and all things working together for the good, it's much bigger than that. So it doesn't only mean my good, but it means my wife's good, my son's good, Hannah's good, Chad's good, Rex's good, you're good. That's how big our God is. When we know that he's got it all figured out because his perspective is much higher than 15,000 feet, he sees it all because he transcends it all and he transforms it all. Amen? Boy, church, I'm going to need some help preaching this morning. He transcends it all. He transforms it all. The first perspective, the first principle is to know him. There's something else about that that I just can't escape. Those that love him, and I know we wrestle with that. We do. Because on one day we might have a bad day, the next day may be a good day. And, you know, but it says this, and called according to his purpose. I think it was Michelangelo that said, when I see a block of rock, I envision an angel trapped inside and start chiseling away to set it free. See, one of the things God's doing with us is when we give our lives to him, he begins transforming us into the image of God. And once we know that he is transforming us into the image of God, there may be some of us, if you're anything like me, that's got a lot more rocks that have to be chipped away. Chip away, that's right. The second principle is this. It's to trust him. It's to trust him. Now listen to me. His perspective is much greater than ours. He's the God that spoke everything into existence. He's the God that willed you to be here today. He's the God that has given us the breath of life to live each and every day. We, we breathe each and every day, and we don't even think about it for the most part. 
That's the God that created us. That's the God that sustains us, it says in Colossians. So why in the world would we not trust him? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. But what happens when you feel like I can't keep being tough any longer? I have a dear friend at a previous church I served at. She just went through a cancer treatment, thought she was out of the woods. They just got a call this week that a different type of cancer is back. Guess what? God's got this. I trust him. He's too good to do bad and too right to do wrong. And every one of his promises are trustworthy, and I can trust him. This hope, overcoming life's toughest obstacles, dear friends, is about knowing him. It's about trusting him. But trusting him requires giving him the wheel, the wheel being a picture of control. How many of you remember the uh, song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Carrie Underwood? Um, How many of you remember it but don't want to confess knowing it in church, I guess? You're just kind of like, I saw it like half, half, the camera's on you, you know, you're being watched. You ever thought about that? It's kind of like, Jesus, take the wheel now that I'm in trouble. How many of you are good backseat riders? Let me know. I didn't see one hand go up. Y'all are still awake. I'm proud. I'm going to give you a good grade to Pastor Dwayne when I talk to him. A plus. No, no, no. When we want to give him the wheel is when everything's upside down and in chaos. Let's give it to him today. Say, God, if you can keep this whole universe going, I can trust you for every detail of my life, no matter what. The third principle is this, friends. We we can know him, we can trust him, but we gotta stand with him. You know, when we think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. That was Solomon speaking that, that we can trust him. But the third principle of standing with him is something that his dad taught him. So when Solomon said those words in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, in Psalm 40, verse 2, as I close, he says this, David, was David a perfect man? No. In fact, if, the, uh, if Rick Ray had read the credentials of King David, some of you probably would have left this building and said, I'm not going to listen to a word that man has to say. But David said this, the apple of God's eye, in Psalm 40, verse 2, he lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a, what's the word, church? A rock. And gave me a firm place to stand. I don't know what you've been going through, what you're getting ready to go into. It may be relational. It may be career. It may be financial. It may be spiritual. But what I do know is this, that God knows. God knows. And the word of God says that if you're one of his kids, he's going to lift you up of that slimy pit. Do any of you see the imagery of the prodigal son? A slimy pit. After a bad storm, whatever the metaphor that works for you is that you've been through or are in. It's a picture of God, a heavenly father, that loves and cares for you, lifting you up out of that slimy pit, giving you a firm place to stand and to be secure right at his side. That's what the word of God is saying, that we can stand with him. John 14, the first four verses say this, and listen to this. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many. I want you to think about that for just a moment because David was saying he takes us out of a slimy pit and puts us on a solid rock, a solid place to stand. We are already positioned with him. And that whole passage around John 14 has to do with the Holy Spirit. If you read before that in John 13 and Peter's denial and the power of the Holy Spirit that would come, that's the missing link. When he takes us out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he sets our feet on a rock and gave us a firm place to stand, dear friend, there are oftentimes we can't stand on our own. So what was promised to us to help us stand when we can't stand? The Holy Spirit of God. So back to that little anchor story that I was telling you about. You are loved. You are cared for. If you have humbled yourself and given your life to Jesus Christ and confessed your sins to him, he has sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And that anchor, instead of going down, has gone up into the inner sanctuary. And that line is representative of the Holy Spirit. And dear friend, it is there for each and every one of us to grab hold of and hold tight to. So my question for you today is, you just finished a series, I believe, Pastor Dwayne was telling me, Actions speak louder than words. This anchor is secured. Symbolically in the scripture, that anchor that goes up to the inner throne room is anchored to none other than Jesus Christ because he is our hope. But the Holy Spirit is what wraps us and secures us. Our only job is to embrace the hold, to know, to trust, to stand that embrace with him. So I want to ask you to do something pretty bold today. My son's going to just string this rope out all along the front. And I'm going to ask you to take action that will speak louder than any words. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask my wife to come up and stand with me. And we're just going to pray over 